ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome inside Garage Door Sports. Your no-holds-barred weekly discussion on everything in the sporting world. For all your news on hockey, baseball, basketball, football, soccer, and more, you've come to the right place. And now, it's time for your hosts, Nick McVicker, Kyle Vardy, and Irfan Manji. Another week, another episode of Garage Door Sports. Nick McVicker joined through the Garage Door Sports Cup phone by my two amazing co-hosts, Kyle Vardy and Irfan Manji. Kyle, how are you doing this morning? Doing good, doing good. Can't complain and uh, ready to talk some sports. Just need a new alarm, apparently, right? That's what we had this conversation. Apparently. <laughs> and uh, Irfan, how are you doing? Great. Now, that was a different answer from Kyle today. I liked it. It's different. Well, I, I think I shocked him to to um, uh, life when I gave him a call this morning. You called <laughs> and you woke up, up sports. Quick. Sports. And then that's why he's ready to go. <laughs> well, boys, there's been, it's been an interesting week in sports. Um, quickly, I want to talk about, obviously, we've been covering a lot of the NC2A tournament. And they're both over the basketball tournaments. Baylor comes out as the champions on the men's side. Stanford as the champions on the women's side. Quick thoughts, wrap up these tournaments. Uh, Kyle, we'll start with you. Um, I would say both are relative upsets, but at the same time, um, both were the more deserving team, I guess is really what you could say. Uh, you know, on, on the men's side, Gonzaga just didn't really show up, and Baylor literally just couldn't miss a shot. It would come down to They just – Every time Zaga was going to go on a little bit of a run, Bailey would hit a couple threes in a row, and all of a sudden it's like, all right, no, shut that down. So um, I didn't get to watch the women's final, but I, I, I got to uh, – I was following along in the score of it, and it, uh, it seemed like Stanford was uh, taking control. Um, and it was, just, it was simple as that, and they, they, they took control, and they really just – you know, it's their first title since 1992. So it's uh, – it was quite impressive on that aspect. That aspect so. For sure. And uh, you nailed it on the head. Baylor just couldn't miss. Airphone? No, I agree with you. I mean, I was looking at a stat. Zega made five out of 17 three-point shots. Um, they couldn't force Baylor into turnovers in the second half of the game, right? So, like, that that's telling you something. If you're undefeated and, and you're having a hard time, all, don't get me wrong. I think Baylor's a very good team. But if you're undefeated, you should have a way to... to to get past this. And I thought it was a little disappointing if you're a Zaga fan, but good on Baylor. They, they knew that they had to be at their best and they, and they were at their best and they, and they deserve to win. Yeah. And honestly, like they were the two best teams all year on the men's side in, in Baylor yeah. and Zaga. This is the game we wanted in November that got canceled. Mm-hmm. And we, we managed to get the two best teams in the final. So credit to the, I guess the standings people, is they got those two right. The rest of the tournament was all messed up by rankings, but those two they nailed as number one and number two. Yeah. So how great um, was Davion Mitchell, eh? Like what a good player that kid is gonna so be. Good. Oh man. Just I know yeah, he's just good. It was a good game for him and great job for Baylor. Yeah. And well, then on the Jared, women's Jared oh. Butler, too. Yeah. Butler, oh, yeah, that's too. Butler was a beast. Yeah. Uh, the women's side. Assists, yeah. I, I don't think it was as big of an upset as uh Kyle you thought I actually thought Stanford was the favorite going into this the final um just based on how they played throughout the season but either way like it was still a good game like they they both teams battled they were there all the way till the end and you know what credit where credit is due you gotta you gotta get through the hard teams to get there and they they did everything they needed to to get to the final played a fantastic game and now Stanford reigning champs for a year let's see how let's see how they do next year I guess and don't don't discredit Arizona. That team is uh, that team is good. McDonald was phenomenal all throughout the tournament and in the final itself. I thought she might have been able to pass that ball on the last play, though. That was one thing I was kind of confused about. If you watch the final play, they like triple teamed her, and she had a teammate cutting to the basket on the far side of the court from where the camera was, wide open, no one near her. And I know that she wanted to take the shot and be the be the hero. 
but at like four seconds when you're d- triple teamed, you're not going to get a good shot away. No, make that Give fight. it to an open yeah. shot. Give your team a chance. Like they could have easily won that game. Yeah. yeah, it was it was closer. It was a closer game than I thought it would be. I thought Stanford would have won by like at least five points because I I mean I had them win in the tournament to begin with, but and I think Arizona's regular season record at sixteen and five was a little misleading. Um, I don't. It, it was very misleading because you look at that record and you're like, well, they've they haven't had a great year, but yeah, they have. Um, yeah. they were a very good, very good side. So, um, yeah, a little disappointing there, but it's good for Stanford. Like oh, yeah. Kyle said, they haven't won since '92. Um, I had them winning the tournament, and I'm glad I got something right. So, Irfan <laughs> <laughs> nailed that one. <laughs> oh, I did. I got that perfect. And I also picked Baylor last week when I was like, "Oh, you yeah, know you what?" Did. And I was like, "I'll go with the underdog. Let's do it." And it worked. So sometimes it works, guys. One in sometimes. ten. One in ten. <laughs> one in ten. <laughs> well, those those are great tournaments. We enjoyed that for sure. But let's move on to some more current news i guess and this monday is the nhl trade deadline boys which means we got to talk about potential trades going into the trade deadline or potential moves or whether or not there will be any moves at all uh me and ryan have been covering it on 20 minutes on ice for the past few weeks what we thought was going to happen in the north division with moves and well there hasn't been a whole lot uh leafs made a trade this week to acquire um riley nash Right? Yep. Riley Nash from, from Columbus. Uh, Columbus. Other than that, nothing really going on. And obviously the situation in Vancouver, which we'll get to, uh, has probably put a damper on them doing a whole lot of movement because they don't have healthy players to move at the moment. Um, what do you think is going to happen in this at this deadline, Irfan? Is there going to be a lot of moves? Is this going to be a last-minute deadline, or is this going to be a uh, – a very, very long day for those covering it on TSN and Sportsnet. <laughs> it's going to be a long day. And it'll be a long day because I think a lot of teams have to be, I think, cognizant of the fact that if you trade from teams that are not in your division, um, or I guess Canada versus U.S., you're going to lose that player for two weeks. You have to uh, be like... It's only, oh, it's only one. It's only one. It's only one now? Okay, that's good. One. But still, yeah. you're still losing a week, right? So... Um, if you give up a roster spot, do you have someone that can step up for a game or two? Like, that's the question. And I think teams with depth, like Tampa Bay, I think the Leafs have a little bit of that this year. So if they, if they make a trade, I think you'll see the Leafs make a little trade. Um, in terms of big names moving, I don't think that's going to happen. I think guys like, like Mikhail Granlin or something are, are going to get moved or, or, um, any of the Preds defensemen, who's the one at home that's being linked. Yeah. Yeah, so you'll see like little deals like that. I don't think a big name's going to move. And if they are going to move, it's not going to be worth what we think it's going to be worth. I know Taylor Hall, I asked you this question off air, Nick. Um, Taylor Hall, should he be moved? Probably. Is he going to be worth a lot? No, because he just hasn't had a good year. And he also has gone into teams where he hasn't been great. Like, I'm sorry, but one good year in, in, in New Jersey, one good year in Edmonton, and then, you know, your team can't make the playoffs again. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I want that in my locker room, uh, even though he is a, a very good goal scorer. I don't think I want that. So I don't think he goes. So especially at eight million a year. For, I don't for think the rest he goes. That's a lot. Of yeah. For like unless unless, Buff- unless Buffalo says we'll eat four million and give us a prospect. There's teams that can afford that. But the guy has two goals. In would you do it? Games. No, I'd say let him go into the offseason. And his worth is not eight million anymore. It hasn't been eight million for a couple of years. I think he's closer to the four million, five million range for the way he's played. So I don't think it's moved. But there'll be some like little deals for I guess like bottom six forwards and maybe like bottom four defensemen. So I can see that happening, but nothing major. I can see some like low end teams, like people who are clearly out of playoff spots. Like probably you could say New Jersey, Buffalo, sort of um, Detroit. Maybe Columbus, depending on how you see them finishing out the season, but I think they're out. Uh, Maybe an Anaheim trying to get rid of some of the older guys. Uh, I don't think LA has a whole lot of older guys that they're willing to part with. Like, I think they like having Dustin Brown and Kopitar in the system, so I don't think they're going to move those guys. Gowdy's not getting moved. No, and they did a good job picking up Brendan Lemieux for the future, so that was a good pick. Yeah, so I think so. Think, like they're not going to move. I think LA is kind of out of it, but all the other teams at the bottom might make some moves to like bolster their draft stock. Hey, eh, Kyle. 
the only team that's truly out of it is the Ducks. That's the only team that's truly out of, out of that division. Um, you basically have a few in each division that are truly out of it. Yeah. And honestly, um, everybody was hyping up Nashville eventually moving people, but nobody's moving from Nashville right now. So um, there won't be any trades from Nashville for that. So that kind of ruins half the trade deadline. I do think Taylor Hall goes. I think Taylor Hall values probably a second round pick and a prospect right now. Um, just because of who he actually is. He won't, go, he won't go any lower than that unless Buffalo is desperate to trade him. Um, yes, he only has two goals this year, but he's also playing on Buffalo, who's dog shit. So. But he was playing with Eichel. Doesn't matter. Eichel's not doing any better this year anyways. Eichel's having a super down year anyways. I, I get that, but like it's just the two of them together should have been able to put up goals, and they haven't is, what I guess, my point. Well, sure, but they're also minus twenty three. So, yes, like it's literally, they they touch the ice and the pucks in the opponent's hand. They haven't really had a chance to actually truly have possession of the puck. That is so. True. I think if if he goes to a good team, who is you know, uh, so I'll say the Leafs for example. I don't think they're going to get him, but I'm just saying for example, you put him mm-hmm. on that second line with Tavares and Nylander, and all of a sudden it's like, all right, I'm not I'm not the first option to score. I'm now the second option to score. Maybe Maybe I'll pick up more than two goals. <laughs> Hold on. He might be the second option on that line. He's probably the third option on that line at the moment. Potentially right now. So it's like one of those, like it, it would lower his, uh, the pressure on him basically is what it would really be. So I could see a team like that. You know, I look at an Edmonton, do they do a reconnection of Taylor Hall with there? Get a little secondary scoring behind uh, dry style and McDavid. We'll see. I don't know. I don't, I don't think Edmonton wants him back. Well, it, it, any team that gets him, Buffalo's retaining half his out. So it's fine. Yeah. So, uh, I just don't I just don't think he can go back to Edmonton. I mean, just with everything that happened before yeah. the before the move, I just don't think he can go back. Well, if he goes back, it's because Shirelli's not there. So it's a brand new slate. So he could potentially end up there. It's just that salary is something that Edmonton cannot afford. Yeah, but he has a no move clause, right? So mm-hmm. he can kind of yeah. But Sorelli blew that team up, and he knows that. So yeah, the, the, that. the only issue with the trade deadline is there's four teams that have above two and a half million dollars in cash flows. There's four teams, and yep. when I say there's four teams, they have like eight million dollars in cash flows. So, um, <clears throat> like the Red Wings, Panthers, uh, Devils, Boston, Boston got about six, from what I remember. Like deadline cap space. Well, deadline cap space is what they were saying. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Deadline cap space. So like, there's there's teams that have cap space, and obviously you have more like Florida. I think has a ton of space. Um, but I I just don't see a whole lot of moves happening. That's that's the biggest thing. Is as much as I'd love to, um, I can't see. I can see maybe a couple. I can see like maybe like a uh, a Jonathan Bernier if somebody needs some goaltending help potentially. Mm -hmm. Um, Colorado. Oh no, there he there he got their guy. So, um, there he got Jonas Johansson. They they aren't they they aren't happy with him though. They got him for the future. They are not happy with him as the backup going into the playoffs. No, they, it was either Reimer or Bernie was what was potentially yeah. linked like with, I I, with I like Colorado. Johansson not this year to be the backup. <laughs> like he's he'll be good next year or the year mm-hmm. after, but I just they're just aren't confident with him to go into the playoffs with Grubauer and him as the two in case something happens because we saw what happened last year with Colorado. Him and Frank who both went down and you had to start Michael freaking Hutchison in a playoff game and no one wants that. I know, but no one wants to start Hutch in a playoff game. <laughs> no, and honestly, like I, I could see potentially a goalie going, but the biggest thing is, um, is, is cap space on that aspect. So, like, yeah, and any of the real goalies available, I don't know if they could fit that cap. Like to me, like I would look at maybe a Devin Dubnik in San Jose who are looking on the outside of the playoffs potentially. You know, is he an option? <clears throat> Obviously, I said Bernier. Um, I don't think, Orphan, you mentioned Reimer. Yeah, Reimer's, Reimer's been to... thrown around a lot. Yeah. Actually, um, he's been thrown around to come back to Toronto. Yeah, but that's in, that's in the offseason. No, no, it's been thrown around for the deadline because they didn't know what Anderson's situation is. And to be fair, 
We still don't know what Anderson's situation is. We're not being told a whole lot about what's yeah. happening with Anderson. So yeah. there is potential that the Leafs go out and pick up a goalie for cheap, trying to just trying to solidify. Because as much as I like Jack Campbell, we still we still don't know if Jack Campbell can carry a team through the playoffs. We don't know if he can finish the season as hot as he has been. So the fact that the Leafs might go out and get a goalie is going to be hot button news until the trade deadline's done. Yeah, I think the only deterrent to that is the seven-day waiting period. And I think if they do... But that's the thing. Because of the way Jack Campbell's playing right now, I don't think they give a shit. Well, but no. what more what I'm saying is that seven-day waiting period, Anderson could be healthy in that seven-day waiting period. Now you just acquired a goalie for nothing. Well, he just got put on long-term IR. Yeah, but that's retroactive to when he got injured. So he literally could be back in a week or two. I think it's still two weeks before he can come back. But So even if, if they pull it this week, that goalie's back before Anderson comes back. Yeah, true. So, so I think it's it's still a mess of a situation just because we don't fully know what's wrong with Anderson. Like, they still haven't really said why he is on IT, uh, LTIR, right? Yes, it's lower body. But I, I really don't think it's a lower body. <laughs> I, I think they're just giving him time to get over his mental block at the moment, personally. Like, personally, that's that's me reading into the situation. Yeah. It just seems well, like it something was when Jack Campbell at ten and zero. I think it makes sense. Like I, I think if he, if Jack Campbell's struggling, then he would have been back maybe a couple weeks ago. 100%. Yeah, that, that, that's honestly that's my only thought is that if he was if Campbell wasn't healthy, I think Anderson would be playing right now. But um, and maybe he pushes it through an injury or whatever it may be. Maybe that's how it works. But. Um, it's interesting. I, I'm not sure what they're going to do. I think, honestly, I think the only move the Leafs could go is, is potentially go after like a, like a Nick Foligno type thing. Um, from what I've been hearing about potentially trade packages, I wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole. But um, I, I think that's the type of player they need, a, a guy who can chip in on the side, um, be gritty. And honestly, I could see them doing nothing at the same time because Galchenyuk's kind of fit that mold right now. So, um, we'll see what happens with that one. I mean, yeah, I, I don't I don't mind getting a Nick Felino type for sure. Sixteen points in forty two games this year is puts a head scratcher on. I, I, I would probably rather go after the young uh, Alex Iafalo from LA. Cheaper Huh? Gonna cost you more. But cheaper on a cap hit. Sure. Yeah, but, but like basically what they're saying, Felino. Felino right now they're saying like First or second round pick in the top prospect is what they're saying. I'm like, I'm not touching. That. No, I, I wouldn't touch that with a ten foot pole. To be honest, I wouldn't touch that for any player available. Either. So this this draft's going to be deep. I don't. I don't want. I, if I'm a fan, I don't want them moving there. I was confused there for a second. We were talking trade deadline. Then he brings up this draft's going to be deep, and then I, I got it after. No, but. to be honest, no, no. Yeah. To be honest, I think this draft's going to be terrible. Oh really? Because, no, because nobody's playing hockey right now. Like no. No CHL players are playing hockey. Yes, WHL, but they've been bubbles. Half those bubbles have been canceled because there's been outbreaks. The only team that's really the only league that's playing right now is the Q. And and they stopped three times. Yeah, and and it's one of those like Mm -hmm. scouts have no clue. Like they have an idea of like people they've scouted in the past, but they have no clue how people have developed. Deep on paper, there you go. It's deep on paper. (laughs) But. I, I yeah, tell me who's I, tell me who's going number one. Beats me, man. I just this is what I'm hearing. This is what I'm I'm sharing. I, they're I, saying it's deep, so people don't want to move first round picks. But if you have a legitimate chance of winning the cup, move your first round pick. The thing is, I think people are ke- keeping their first round picks for the expansion draft. Mm. That's coming this off season too. That is also there, right? So I think people are keeping their first round picks to say, "Hey, take this seven million dollar cap hit off of our cap." give you a first round pick for it have fun good luck with this right i I don't think it's going to be player trades like vegas had i think it's going to be draft pick trades um for this year and say hey good luck drafting your players but your team for the first three years is going to suck i'm I'm with kyle and honestly i've been looking at this draft for a while like trying to figure out who was going to go at the top um there's no in my opinion i don't think there's many if any truly elite players coming out of this draft I think this uh, is going that, to be a depth. Pardon? Isn't there a U.S. defenseman? Yeah, Owen Power. 
Yeah. I said many. I didn't say any. I said oh, many. Okay. I don't think there's going to be many uh, top elite elite players coming out of this draft yes there's a few like owen power is probably going to be like legit and you also have uh matthew benners also from michigan the center he's going to be good atu rati who was at the top of the draft at one point is now ranked 15th on the Sportsnet uh edition from three days ago but overall like this draft is going to be a super depth draft you're going to get second third fourth line players in this draft you're probably not going to see many top line players in my opinion i just don't see it happening um so we're looking at a draft where a first round pick might not be worth a first round pick that we've seen the last couple of years where the the top of the draft was so heavy with Mm -hmm. potential elite players but it's still a valuable pick because i think the top all of the first round picks are going to be better than that second half that we've seen over the last few years if that makes sense yep so I get what you're saying, Irfan, but I wouldn't necessarily call it a deep draft. I think it's a depth. I meant like a, a deep draft in the sense that on paper, the way the, the NFL draft ended up being, everything was off of paper. So they had to make judgment calls. Fair, no, and, and to be honest, you're, you're very well right. Yeah, very well. It could be that. I think the biggest question, though, is where do people fit? That's the biggest question. Yeah. Is where do people value? You know, you look at like even last year, a lot of European skaters went compared to CHL stuff. Yeah. Right. That's like, that's the trend you, it's been going for the last few years. You're right. Yeah. So and and, and now with you know two out of the three leagues in, in Canada playing, not playing, whatever it may be, it, you could honestly see a lot of teams either one reaching on a CHL player that they have limited data on, which I doubt, or two going to Europe and being like, well, this guy's playing professional against you know men out there. Let's let's take a chance on him developing. So. Mm. It'll be, it'll be interesting for sure. Yeah, and, and you mentioned that. Like, I'm looking at this this Sportsnet list. There, uh, <laughs> there's not many OHL players on the list, yeah. and the only ones that are are guys who went and played overseas, right? Like um, Barry's defenseman, uh, Brant Clark. He's playing in Slovakia right now. Until the OHL season starts, which we still don't know if there's going to be an OHL season, but there's still a potential shortened like 20 game season that they're going to put together to showcase I players. I doubt it very much, but that's what they're still talking about. He's playing in Slovakia. He's not playing here. The other couple guys, one of them's hurt. Uh, so he, but he's played in Russia the last few years. Um, Mason McTavish, the center from Peterborough, Kyle, uh, he was playing in Switzerland. Uh, like the OHL players aren't playing in the OHL. They're playing in Europe this year that are on this list. At least, uh, the QMJHL has a few players on this list too, but a couple of them got hurt. A couple of, and the rest of them just aren't playing because their season stopped. Like that's the situation. This list is filled with European players. Not not WHL players, European players and American players. That's it. That's what yep. it is. So it'll be an interesting draft for sure. Um, let's get to a little less happy conversation, boys. Uh, we got to talk about the situation going on in Vancouver. Me and Ryan covered it this week, so I'm going to take a step back. I want to get your opinions on this. Uh, Irfan, we'll start with you. This, this situation has been dire. 25 people have been put on the list this over the past week and a half. 21 players, four members of the coaching staff. Um, and this also includes, uh, this doesn't necessarily include any of the taxi squad players, I'm pretty sure. I think this is just players in general from the active roster. So it's like 21 out of 22 players from the active roster. I know there's four more from the taxi squad that were put on uh, the list as well. So it's just been an awful week. Variant involved, family members involved, the Canucks won't be playing anytime soon. Let's be honest here. Uh, Irfan, what, what do you see from this and how do you think it's going to affect the rest of the Canucks season if they even end up playing? Well, they, I think it's going to be a rough time for them. I mean, in the sense that they might just have to play a lot of games in, in, in quick succession, for example, and 
I, I, I don't see them making the playoffs just because of the situation. I mean, we've seen players in other sports come back from COVID um, and they just haven't been 100% and it's taken them two, three, four months to do it. And I don't think Vancouver has that in their season to wait two, three months for players to come back to uh, full health. So if I'm the Canucks and if they're allowed, I'd say, you know what, uh, play a, a shortened season if possible and just wait till next season and, and wait for something else to happen. Like, don't, don't push players back because, I mean, the report was that it, they got it from someone from a community. So if everyone listening, it's one person that can start a blaze of uh, infections. So, you well, know, especially with the this... close contact of an NHL team, right? Like these guys are side by side in the change room. Like it's so easy to pass stuff along. Yeah, no, I agree. And I mean, I keep seeing that ad um, when I'm on Snapchat, for example, where it's like, you know, a coffee brick can cost this. And this could have very easily been a community instance where they went to a local Starbucks. So we don't know where the setting was. Um, and and the barista had it. And then, and there you go. That's how you or get not it. even so, the barista. The barista could have been fine. It could have been someone else who had just passed through the door when they were walking in. Right. Yeah, like, there's the door there's so something. many different ways. That's what I'm saying. So like, I think if you're listening, it's just that that if an athlete can get it, who's usually healthier and, and more fit than all of us, and they're struggling with what's going on, I, I don't think it's a joke. So um, it just adds to the case that this isn't something to take lightly. And I do hope that the, the Canucks are, are healthy. And if that means they have to shut down for the season, I say, you know what, do it. Just be safe. Um, your family, like family members are being impacted, right? We don't know the extent of that. And um, they also could have like older parents or older grandparents that could also get sick. So I'd say take the safest route possible. Don't rush it back. Like we've seen, we talked about this, but we've seen uh, mid-April as a, as a potential restart. But I say, yo, take your time, man. If you're playing one game next uh, in May or something, and that's all you're going to get, then you play one game in May and that's, that's okay. Um, I think at this point I'm, I'm worried about their health and, and the safety of everyone around them than playing a game. Sorry. No, I'm, I, I agree with you. That's kind of what I said on 20 minutes saying like, I, I personally, if this was me, the season's done. Yeah. But I know I'm not, I, I understand that money makes the world go round and that's probably won't happen because they have, they have to deal with sponsorships and stuff like that. So they're going to try to play as many games as possible. Uh, Kyle, what what do you see the fallout being from this uh, moving forward for the NHL season for the Canucks? The NHL season, I it, it honestly, it doesn't impact the Canucks a whole lot because the Canucks weren't going to make the playoffs. Anyways. I think that's the biggest thing. To me, it impacts the teams that were playing the Canucks the most, right? So you, you, you look at uh, teams in the North, obviously, like you look at like a Montreal or or Winnipeg Edmonton, who are trying to compete with Toronto potentially for the first spot, you know, those games against the Canucks that they were having are now gone. They're at the door. So it, it's one of those, like, yes, the Canucks were they're, they're next in the division to make the playoffs, but realistically, I think there's a big gap between Montreal, Vancouver, and Calgary. So um, I think it's Montreal's there and Vancouver, Calgary as well. So um, to me, it impacts that a lot. Also, you have to look at the draft. The draft's going to be impacted like huge, right? If Vancouver has 15 less games played or whatever ends up being, right? And all of a sudden has, you know, the same amount of points as Ottawa, but they play 15 more games. How are they doing this draft? How are they going to, how are they going to? I would have to be point percentage, I would assume. Yeah. So it's one of those, but even then, like you look at that, like Vancouver 16 and 18, so it's not going to help them obviously, but it's, it's going to be interesting how to do it. I personally think that as soon as people are healthy, they're going to put a ragtag squad together and put them out on the ice because they have to play games. And I think it's going to be an cool. AHL squad. I think I think the first game that we see will be a predominantly AHL squad if we see a well, game at all. It has to be because they have no goalie. So um, <laughs> all three. Yeah. So like, and I I, I kind of kind of feel bad for Travis Boyd. He literally gets taken off waivers and all of a sudden COVID. Boom, hit. So um, it is what it is, but. Yeah, like they they expect to play fifty six games for the Canucks. I don't know how they're going to do that. It's going to be a lot of either double headers or back to backs or whatever it's going to be. Um, but it's going to be, yeah, I, I think it's going to be one of those. As soon as the player's ready, take them off the list and then play them. But in the meantime, I think it has to be AHL players or people that sign or whatever it may be. It's it's got to be something. Like they, they have they have to play games. It's simple as that. And. Yeah. Yes, the players affected and stuff like that. They should stay away. Should do all that. But there still has to be games played for the NHL. And you can't just have a team that just doesn't play the last 
God knows how many goals. I what, 16 games, 19 games, whatever. So <clears throat> yeah, it's it's a tough situation, and it's interesting to look at their remaining schedule. So from the first game that they had postponed, the team that they were supposed to play the most was Edmonton. They had five games still remaining against Edmonton. They had four games remaining against Calgary and Ottawa. And then they had two games remaining against Winnipeg and Toronto, respectively. Or, sorry, three games against Toronto. Two games against Winnipeg, three games – four games against Toronto. I can't and read. They were, they were done with Montreal? They were done with Montreal. Yep. So they didn't have to play Montreal, which means that's probably a good thing for Montreal because I'm pretty sure they beat up on Vancouver all season anyway. Yep. So they wanted all those games. I think if they decided – to just wipe out all of Vancouver's games from the season and pretend Vancouver didn't play, Montreal would be the most affected. Yeah. <laughs> because they, they did so well against Vancouver. Like not I'm not just not just because they finished their season against Vancouver, but they did so well against Vancouver that I think they went like seven seven wins and two losses or something. That's fourteen points that you would be taking off of Vancouver. Or sorry, Montreal. That drops them down significantly. <laughs> so I think it would be you're right. I don't think they're they're going to get away with not playing another game, Kyle. I think they shouldn't play another game personally, but the money the money is going to be what gets them back on the ice and it's just going to be it's going to be such an interesting situation to watch over the next couple of weeks. They want them to play next week. I don't see that happening. I could see them possibly playing in 2 weeks with an AHL squad because the Utica players will have had enough time to sit after coming up North. Mm-hmm. But even then, I just, I don't like the situation and we have to remember these are humans trying to rush them back after a COVID scare is so dangerous. Like we don't know yeah. where their, where their oxygen levels are at. We don't know what their intake is going to be. That's, that's what scares me the most. So we're going to have to, we'll keep an eye on it. We might not talk about it as consistently, but we'll keep an eye on it for sure. Mm-hmm. And update you guys. As we can, we're going to take a quick break here. After the break, we will be talking a little golf because it's Masters weekend and we, you know, should talk some golf on Masters weekend. Uh, We'll also talk some uh, footy for Irfan. All this and more after the break. Good day, everybody. This is Ryan from 20 Minutes on Ice. Join me and my co-host, Nick McVicker for opinions and analysis on the week that was in the hockey world. New episode available every Friday, wherever you download your favorite podcasts from. 20 Minutes on Ice, part of the Garage Door Sports Network. We are back, boys. It's uh, Masters weekend, as I said, and it's been an interesting tournament. Uh, not necessarily great golf, I would say, but interesting results. Um, probably the biggest surprise, J- Dustin Johnson decided that he did not want to retain his green jacket. Uh, and he w- wanted to go home early, so he missed the cut at plus five. Uh, a couple other big names missing the cut. Uh, you can look at uh, Jason Day did not play well. He missed the cut. Um, Rory McIlroy missed the cut. Lee Westwood missed the cut. Kepka missed the cut. Um, I know this one is more for Irfan. Uh, Garcia missed the cut. Uh, Kucher missed the cut. Like these are, there's some big names that missed the cut this week. And leading the way from day one has been Justin Rose, and he's played pretty consistently all two rounds, I guess, at this point going he's, into he's terrible yesterday, to be honest. <laughs> Was he? Yeah, he he got lucky. No, he was stay, even. He got he lucky to stay even. He was like four over through nine. Four seven. over through seven. Same difference. Sorry, three uh, over through seven. Three over through seven. He, he had a birdie was, on two. He was struggling mightily yesterday, and luckily regained it at the end of the day. Yeah, he was uh, three over on the front, uh, three under on the back. That's how you work even. Um, other names up at the top are Zalatoris, Harmon, Leishman, Spieth. Two shots back. Uh, Weisberg, Finau, Thomas, Kim, Champ, and Matsuyama are all three shots back. And then Xander Shoffley's four shots back. Yeah, these guys haven't teed off today. Um, Kyle, what have you seen? Anyone that has surprised you so far? Anyone that you think will uh, make a run on the weekend? Uh, Justin and I were talking. Obviously, he's big into the golf. <laughs> of course. Um, 
biggest surprise to me is Will Zalatoris. Uh, two years ago, was ranked 200 or 2,000th in the world when it came to golf. Is now currently ranked 42nd. And just and snuck in. Just snuck yeah. in. Let's not forget that. And haven't really heard a whole lot about this guy, but apparently he finishes top 20 in everything he has done this year so far. So um, look out for him. He's he's an underrated name. He's six under. He's one shot back. Played very well in the, the last two rounds. Uh, when you're talking about consistency, he was consistent. I think he was two under in the first and four under yesterday, I think is what it, what it worked out to. May, it might have been one and five instead, but um, – Watch out for him, obviously. And then if you want to talk about, you know, more common names, uh, Thomas and Spieth are up there as well. So look for, look out for them. Um, as long as they're in contention, uh, they're always good. And then, honestly, we'll see if Kim has a new putter for today. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> um, that, that was an interesting thing happened yesterday. So um, I, I'm not sure if he thought that, you know, Friday was Sunday, actually, and then he was going to lose the tournament. I don't know what his mindset was at on a bogey, but... Hey, uh, you know what? Sometimes uh, the emotions get the better of you, Kyle, all right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Not when you're potentially going to win the Masters and you're, like, three shots back. You don't break your goddamn putter. Apparently he has, do. like, 15 <laughs> others. It's okay. Uh, I like the... Uh, Zalatoris uh, shout. This is a guy who finished sixth at the U.S. Open last week or last week, last year. Um, yeah. So this isn't – it is a surprise, I guess, just because he's not a well-known name. But he had a great 2020. He doesn't have a PGA Tour win, but he won on the Corn Ferry Tour for the first time, which qualified him for the U.S. Open last year, which, I mean, that's that's fantastic. And finishing sixth at a major, you take that and run with it in your first major <laughs> And now he's he's one shot back of Rose. Uh, Irfan, any any other surprises for you? Oh no! As soon as you mentioned this guy, I just went to look at his official scorecard and I saw one of his shots. The guy's approach is pretty professional, eh? Like he, he's twenty four years old. Um, I would hope it'd be hey, professional. Man. I mean, he on, on no, no, tour. but you know, there's some professionals that just they they they. they, they they tee off or they do something, and you're like, man, that was really bad. Like your approach on that just doesn't look good. He looks clean throughout and i mean he shot a 70 day one um shot a 68 yesterday um does he stay around that we'll see but um pressure like he's putting pressure on on, on the leader who we're all surprised he's up there because i mean the, the favorites are just cut which is ridiculous um uh I, I think no surprises other than that except for the big names being cut um but great job for the canadian golfers i mean we have two there Connor's at minus two. Um, Hughes at even par, so eh, it's good for Canadian golf. So, like, uh, obviously, that's what I'm paying attention to. And Mike, we are not making it through, which usually this is his place to to, to shine a little bit. <laughs> just didn't didn't work out from there. But um, other than that, I'm just excited for Sunday. Like, this is you know, I follow the Masters through the through updates and stuff for the first three days, and then when it's Sundays, when I actually sit down and go, okay, I'm watching this now. Let's, okay, I um, got this. <laughs> Let's see the day that everyone's going to either mess up or we're going to see a clear distinction between our leaders. The, the best is that the, going back to the Zalatoris, they're literally, they were literally making fun of him on the broadcast. He was saying he looks like a one iron, like how skinny he is. So, oh, hey man, the guy has wow. a six under, so I don't know what they're, what they're, <laughs> well, he's literally a bean pole. That's why. So he makes me um, look big. Yeah. He looks, he, yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 which is, crazy. Which is a scary thought, Kyle. It's 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 honestly it's just wow it's just wow it's all I have to say yeah so I I've loved watching Cameron Smith uh, especially yesterday he was he was plus two going into yesterday that was his first um, above sixty like score in the sixties round in over a year at the Masters because he he all four of his rounds last year were in the sixties that's got I got him a T two finish last year yeah. He went minus four yesterday. He's sitting at minus two heading into the weekend. If he can continue to play like he did yesterday, I expect his name to be near or at the top of this leaderboard come the end of the week because he's been so consistent at, at Augusta. He know, he clearly reads the course really well and knows how to play the course. So I expect big things from this guy. And he, this is his fifth time at the Masters. He now knows the course 
better than most people at this point in their careers. So I expect big things from him. And I mean, the mullet, right? Like you gotta, you gotta respect the mullet, Kyle. Yeah. We talked about that last night in the podcast. We were saying who has a better mullet, him or the guy from Baylor. And then the other question was who had a better mustache, him or Timmy? That's the real question. Him or who? Timmy from Gonzaga. Oh yeah. It's like, what? Um, so that's the real question, but honestly, for today, don't expect too many good scores, or honestly, don't expect any scores at, at this point because it's going to be wet, it's going to be thunderstorms. So, uh, the course may play a little bit differently comparatively. So, um, watch out for those scores. And if you have a chance to bet on nobody finishing up, you know, below four, four or under, just, just take it. <laughs> so, yeah, and we're, we're already seeing that so far with people who are out on the course. A uh, few plus numbers so far. A couple couple minus. Uh, Munoz is minus two. Mickelson is minus two already today through four and five, respectively. Yep. Uh, a couple minus ones, a couple evens. Scott is not having a good time. He's plus two. <laughs> plus yeah. two through five. That's never good. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, when you're when you're above the cut number, yeah, it doesn't exactly look great. Yeah, it's no, it's not usually a good sign. Um, so we'll see how the weekend plays out. I'm excited, as I said, to see some of these guys. Uh, Fino had a great second round as well. We didn't really talk about him. 66, mm-hmm. uh, Weisberger as well. Same thing. 66 uh, on their second rounds. Those are the kind of scores that vault you back into contention. And they can continue to play like that, as I said with Smith. It could be a very interesting weekend, and Rose needs to uh, either figure out what he did in round one and repeat it, or he's going to be in trouble because I think a couple of these guys are going to be right down his back the entire time. We're going to take another quick break here. We will come back and talk a little uh, footy as uh, there's some unfortunate situations going on over in Spain, but uh, we'll, we'll get into that after this. All right, boys, one more segment here and let's get right into it. Um, and it's not it's not a positive one. It's not something that we want to talk about. It's something that we've talked about many times. But this week in a La Liga match between Valencia and Cadiz, um, Valencia's player, I'm going to mess up his name, but I'm going to try to say it anyway, uh, Mukhtar Diakabi. I know it's pretty close. Um there was a collision between him and Cadiz player Juan Cala. And after the incident, the defender, the Valencia defender, uh, looked like he was not happy. Turns out that there was alleged racial uh, abuse thrown his way from Cala. And him and his Valencia and uh, the Cabi and his Valencia teammates decided, yeah, we're done. They walked off the pitch. They left the game. And no one really knew what was going to happen. Uh, apparently, there was a meeting between the players and the teams. And Valencia was kind of told, if you don't go back on the pitch, you forfeit the game. Um, and it was 1-1 at the time. Uh, mm-hmm. So they were going to forfeit the game. So Dikabi said, yeah, no, guys, go back, go play. Which, I mean, he's just trying to be a good teammate at that point to make sure they don't lose points. But I... I I don't know if I would have been able to go back and play after my teammate went through that kind of stuff. It's just not cool. It's, but it's an unfortunate situation. We're back talking about racism in soccer guys. We we've had this conversation six or seven times in 80 episodes. That's, that's way too many times to be talking about it. We shouldn't need to have to have this conversation, but we're going to continue to have this conversation. Um, Irfan, I want to start with you. What did you think of the reaction from the Valencia players first, how they decided to walk off the pitch with their teammate? 
And what do you think about the situation where they were going to have to forfeit the game and they decided to come back and play? I, I want to get both both opinions. And Kyle, I'm going to get both from you as well. But Irfan, we'll start with you. Um, I mean, good on the players for joining their teammate and, and showing that solidarity. That's something that um, we've been fighting for and talking about is like, if you see it, stand up against it and fight against it. Now, the problem is they did that and they were told that to be penalized for it. So uh, if you're you know, league officials or your match officials and you're, you're telling them that, well, we're, you're going to lose points or you're going to have to forfeit this game when, you know, Valencia is very close to the bottom. Um, they That's their incentive to come back. And, 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 you know, we want racism out of the game, but if you're going to threaten teams when shit like that happens every time, then like, are you really standing against racism? And I think this, the shot comes to the Liga match officials and the Liga in general, or, whatever the Spanish FA is saying here, but I don't think they should have been threatened to lose points or whatever. I would have said, postpone the game at one, one we'll come revisit it or call it a draw because at this point, um, like it's, it's racism. It's clear cut racism, whether, you know, the player, the kid as player is saying that, well, I didn't say anything. And it's like, well, all right, well you didn't, but people still walked out. So you said something that really irked everyone around them, especially the player in question. So what the hell are you doing? Um, so I'm a little disappointed with the Liga, uh, uh, just not, you know, they're saying we don't want racism in the game, but here you go. You're forcing players to come back when there was a hint of it, or there was something that happened. So, uh, there's that. And, but kudos to Valencia recognizing it, standing up against it and then saying that we don't want to play. So that's, that's where I see it. I think there's, there's, <laughs> there's so many more issues in this, um, and I think if you're the league, you need to, if you're standing up for something and you're saying that we don't want racism in the game, that is not the way to handle the situation. I think the other thing that I, I didn't mention this before because it, it was just so much information, but he got a yellow card. Not the Cadiz player. No, no. The Valencia, the Valencia defender who had a racial yeah. insult thrown his way got a yellow card for unsportsmanlike conduct. Yeah. And then after talking with the ref, him and his teammates decided to walk off the pitch and he never came back his teammates came back he told them to come back he was substituted at that time but the Cadiz player was allowed to stay in the game and was substituted at halftime Kyle I want to get your opinion on the same two questions that I asked Erfan what was your reaction to what they did walking off the pitch with their teammate and then the decision to go back because they were going to be forced to forfeit the game I mean, like, it, it, it's simple as that. It, it's um, they made the right call. Simple as that. Like, they made the correct call. And as soon as something that happens like that, you have to bring attention to it because if you don't bring attention to it, the amount of times it's probably slipped through some of these games and anywhere from La Liga to to League One or whatever it may be to youth uh, soccer, unfortunately. Yeah. It's one of those, it happens every day. And unless you bring attention to it, nobody knows. That's the biggest thing. And I think that's the biggest downfall is nobody knows. And I think, you know, there has to be something where you have microphones on players to hold them accountable or something along those lines where if you have people that you could hear it, then it's like, oh my God, okay, it actually, like, not necessarily it didn't actually happen, but like you have evidence of it, right? Because the Liga did a whole investigation and they found nothing. So they're not doing anything about it. So um, it's one of those, there has to be some sort of accountability. And if somebody's wearing a microphone, Chances of somebody saying something racist goes down exponentially because they don't want to be caught. That's the biggest thing, right? So I, I think I think La Liga dropped the ball. I think soccer in general has dropped the ball with all of this. Um, and I think there has to be something done about it. You know, the fact that they had to go back on the, on the field to finish the game, I, I understand that part, but I also understand they should have postponed the game at the same point. So um, I think it's... Honestly, it's everybody around has dropped the ball and there's been, there's nothing being done about it. We had a, obviously a racist act right now that is now going unpunished or really unnoticed other than in the news. So. Yeah. It's, it's also, it blows my mind that they didn't rescind the yellow card after everything. Like I, I know that's such a minor thing, but the guy who was racially insulted is the one who picks up a yellow card for reacting to a racial insult. Like after the game, you can rescind yellow cards so that don't, don't count against a player. 
You can do that. I know that happens. They've done it many times. Mm-hmm. You're not going to rescind this one, La Liga? Are you kidding me? Now this guy, I don't know how many yellow cards this guy has, but there's an accumulation factor in every league. So if you reach a certain number of yellow cards, you have to miss a game. What if this was like, he's got like two left and now he's on one because of this. That is an awful decision by the league, in my opinion, not to take this one away so that the accumulation doesn't matter. Yes, it happened in the game. First of all, he was substituted anyway, so it didn't affect him in-game. It's not like he was playing on a yellow card during the match, right? So that that wouldn't play a factor. But come on, you, you have to smarten up at that point. You have to realize like, okay, Clearly, there was an issue here. Like, obviously, he reacted that way because of this. We can take that yellow card back. Unless he called the referee one of the seven words you're not allowed to say to a referee, which that's a different situation altogether. What, like you're doing good, you're doing a good job, ref? You're not allowed to say that because it never actually applies. Yes, Kyle. You know, yes. But um, yes, I get it. But you know what I mean. And if, one of the words that Drew used to say to referees. Yeah. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, my brother used to get penalties every game, at least one. <laughs> he was the king of the penalty, and he did not like referees. Mm-hmm. Became very good at talking to them. Mm-hmm. But now this situation ends up being, um, well, the, the Kedas players now on the defense, and he's like, well, if anyone brings this up, I'm going to sue you. So that's another factor to take into consideration where he's like, well, I didn't do anything. So I'm not apologizing. Defamation. I I get that. And I understand. And you know what? The whole situation could be, and I want to make this very clear. I don't know what happened. Obviously I was not on the pitch. I did not hear. There is no recording of anything that we can distinguish uh, anything that was said. It could have been a misunderstanding, right? A word that sounded like a racial insult that was mis was misplaced. We don't know. I doubt that's the case. I want to make that very clear. Huh? Uh, that... I, think he, I think he's full of shit. I agree. I think that's yeah. bullshit. But. No, but like, did you see the way he looked when everything was happening? He was like, oh, come on. Like, oh, come on. I'm like, dude, you look like. You the way look you're guilty. looking right now. Do you understand the problem? You, yeah. Is giving you the whole I'm guilty thing. But, oh, shit. I didn't mean to say, oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But like the fact. Like, did you hear what he said? No, I didn't. I didn't His hear what he said. afterwards. Oh, in the statements after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But go ahead, read them off for the fans. There's no racism in Spanish football. There are black players on all teams. They're all super integrated. That sounds so (laughs) racist. That sounds sounds ancient. Like, think about where those words come from. That sounds ancient to me. Yeah. That's that's like saying, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, we we have have some blacks on our team. They're over there. It's like, no, like that you... That's not right. You don't say <laughs> no. It. It's it's when someone when someone says to you, uh, they're not racist because they have a colored friend. You're like, yeah. no, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's we, clear. We have 450 employees, but we have one black guy. So yeah, they count. That's all. That's all in there. That that all counts. No, <laughs> like, pock minority count. Like, <laughs> it's like that, that's not the point. Like th- this guy is clearly just a moron. And like he's like, well, I was astonished and um, embarrassed that they walked off the pitch. I'm sorry. What? Well, because no, he probably is astonished and embarrassed that they walked off the pitch because he doesn't think it's wrong what he whatever he said. Yeah. So he is astonished that they walked off the pitch for something that he said because he didn't think it was bad. That's not the point, dumbass. You you said something that you aren't supposed to say to anyone, let alone to a person of uh BPOC or uh visible minority. You can't say shit at all like that. Again, we don't know what he said, so I can't really say that he can't say shit We like do. That. So the referee said that uh, Dikabi told him what Kala called him. And when you said, well, he's like, well, I didn't say that. It could be misunderstanding. I think it's hard to miss uh, say anything that, that was I haven't found that yet, so I, I'm kind of interested. Yeah. Here, I'll send you what I have. Um, we'll send it to both of you while we're yeah. on air here. But uh, it, it's just... Like it's when you say that it could be just a misunderstanding, that's really hard to to to. I just I, did, I didn't know what was said. That's why I said that. I no, didn't. No, no. I, but I, I'm I, just saying, like, if that's but like that could be the the the, the defense for this Cala guy who who assumes that well, it could just be misunderstanding. It's hard. It's uh, I think uh, five paragraphs in, but 
Um, you keep, you keep but, going. I'm, I'm reading. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm just, it, it just blows my <laughs> okay. mind that. Yeah. yeah. No, you can't. Yeah. You can't. That up. <laughs> you can't screw that, right? <laughs> um, and I think, I think I, I really do hope that they investigate it and not kind of scrape it under the rug. I mean, there's one incident uh, I've talked about it before was uh, the referee saying something to uh, Joseph Weibo of um, Besiktas. Uh, in that game against uh, Istanbul, Besiktas against um, PSG, right? Like that sort of got hidden under the rug. We don't really hear about it. So I really hope that's not the case for this one because I feel like there's a lot of power bodies that are probably sweeping it under the rug because they don't want bad publicity. So um, I do hope Valencia stays um, vocal, you know, stay vocal yeah. the way they did. It's like, we don't believe you. And I, and I do hope fans, I mean, a lot of fans are recognizing, but there's some fans that go, yeah, well, he's not wrong. It's like, well, well, then you shouldn't be a part of this game. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the biggest issue. And that's why it's going to continue to be an issue is that some people don't see what he said was wrong. Yeah. Right. That's, that's where we're at right now. And this is something that we've been very vocal on this show. Probably our two biggest conversations are women in sports and racism in sports. That's probably our two biggest conversations we've had on this show, the three of us. And we've yeah. brought multiple people in to talk about it this will this needs to end will it ever end god i hope so honestly it won't though that's the problem there will always be someone who thinks whatever they can say whatever they want and there won't be any repercussions so there will always be that one player in sport who will keep this conversation going for the wrong reasons and the best that we can do is to be part of the change and the best that anyone listening to us can do is be part of the change to make it as minimal to none as possible in every sport that we watch. It will take a long time. But we can do everything in our power to, to get rid of this from sport because it doesn't belong in sport. Sport is supposed to bring people together to enjoy a, a spectacle that's what sport is. Sports are a spectacle. Way back in Roman times, they were a spectacle. We've gotten away from that sometimes, and that's that's an issue. We need to return it back to being a spectacle of true human ability, not a, sp- a place for racism. Erfan, did you want to add anything onto that? Or? That was a good way to end it. That was good. Kyle, anything you wanted to add? All right. Well, boys, uh, we're going to skip over tire fires this week because I don't think it, it makes sense to talk about tire fires after that. Um, we're going to go straight into our final thoughts for the week. Kyle, do you want to start us off with your final thought? Uh, sure. Um, kind of interesting way of following up that with the final thoughts. but uh, I know, but <laughs> we need to go from that and have a little bit more positivity or, you know, some sort of good talk. Yeah, positivity. Um San Diego Padres had their first no hitter in franchise history last night. So he took mine. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Joe, Joe Musgrove has been an outstanding pickup for them, and uh, honestly, had you know ten strikeouts in a complete game, no hitter. So uh, kudos to them to finally being the last franchise in MLB history to actually have a, a no hitter. So fifty four seasons, correct? Yeah. Now everybody has one. So well, yeah, everyone's is- got one. That's that's called inclusivity. That's called 2021. It's a participation medal. Um, don't get me started on that shit. Uh, no, but everyone had to earn this one. This is not participation shit. Everyone earned one of these. Yeah, so don't get me started on the whole participation bullshit that goes on. That's a whole new story. Um, but honestly, yeah, congr- congratulations to them. San Diego looks like a, a legit team. Hopefully they can stay healthy with Tatis coming back eventually. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my final thought. That's a good one. That was going to be mine. Uh, so, Irfan, you go ahead. I got to find another one. <laughs> sure. Um, some Boston love actually today. Uh, okay. Bergeron. No, we got to we got to can this. <laughs> Bergeron uh, hit 900 points earlier this week against the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, well, no, I'm only bringing this up because I'm obviously just I'm with you. That's <laughs> uh, just the face he gave me. I'm like, oh no, uh, no, because the night before, um, Bergy slipped and that led to the the Philadelphia winner in overtime and then the night after he scores a hat trick reaches 900 points and absolutely outplayed 
the Flyers um, that first line did. So um, kudos to him for hitting 900. He just sits behind, um, obviously, Bobby Orr, uh, Johnny Buke, uh, Phil Esposito. So I think he'll catch Espo, but, you know, congrats to him and, and, and the Bruins organization for another classic player getting to 900 points. Yep. No, I, I agree. It's a, it's a great milestone. Um, I'm not going to lie. I was more happy about him slipping and falling and allowing the Philly winner because I really don't <laughs> like Boston. But good on him for reaching the milestone, Kyle. <laughs> I think you're, you're probably closer on my page than her funds. Uh, quite the opposite, actually. They cost me money because Boston didn't win the goddamn game. Oh, okay. Well, I, I, th- I figured you were betting on Philly. Why would I bet on Philly? They suck. Because you hate Boston. <laughs> I hate Philly more. They suck right now. Okay, Their, fine. their goaltenders are literally the worst in the league, and that's saying something. Sorry. Fine. God, I apologize. <laughs> um, I guess my final thought is I love watching baseball games again. Like, it's, it's nice to have them back. And we've seen some great pitching to start the year. And some guys, obviously, on the other end are also hitting really well, but – there's been some great pitching so far this season. Uh, we almost had another uh, – was it a perfect game or a no-no from Johnny Cueto this week? He got through eight innings or something. Uh, no Lance Lynn had a complete game. Lance Lynn with – yeah, exactly. Like, there's just been some uh, great games, some great individual performances. Uh, look out for this Yerman Mercedes kid from uh, Chicago. He's been lights out to start the year. Um also, I love seeing Andrelton Simmons playing well. He's he's just one of those guys that no one can hate, no matter no matter what team he plays for. Everyone likes him, yeah. and it's just nice to see him playing well. So I, I'm excited for this season. I hope they get all 162 games in mm-hmm. uh, with no COVID issues. I, I also like the fact that a lot of the teams are getting um, the vaccines. So most yep. of the players have already gotten vaccines or are in the process of getting vaccines. Fortunately for the Jays, one of their players is uh, on COVID protocol because of side effects from the vaccine uh, and Ryan Barucki. That's very unfortunate, <laughs> but the number of those is very, very minimal. So it, it's a good thing that they're getting, going to get the vaccines. Um, I just hope they get all 60, 162 games in because it, it will be a fun season the way everyone's going right now. I got a baseball question for you guys. Sorry. That's never Sorry. good. Um, no, no. Like the earlier this week, they played in Texas when Globe Life Field was packed. That would have been my tire fire this week. But like, like, what did you guys make of that? Like, I thought that was the dumbest thing ever, especially with the Canuck situation going on and, and their entire coaching staff and players struggling with it. And then you see like everyone without a mask just chilling out at a packed Texas stadium there. And it's blew my mind. I'll let you answer first. Wait, wait, wait. What's the question? What did you make of the opening day packed house in Texas? Oh, Texas, it's the U.S. Like, like, it's it's stupid. Don't get me wrong. Like, (laughs) is the right idea? Not a fucking chance. But it's Texas and it's the U.S. Like, it's simple as that. Yeah, and I'm just going to build on that net. The fact that they had full capacity for game one and then 30%, I think, or something like that, 30% capacity for every other game. Like, if you know you shouldn't have full capacity and you're going to go back from full capacity after game one, why are you going full capacity? It's opening day regardless. The atmosphere is going to be great if you have fans in the stands. It doesn't matter how many of them are in the stands it's opening day people are pumped i don't care how many people are in the stands if you're gonna if it's opening day so why why pack the stadium not enforce masks which is what blew me away there was out of forty thousand fans i think they can get into globe life park um there may have been 10 people with masks on it by the looks of it off the broadcast like I, on properly sh- too yeah so maybe three no, I'm saying 10 with it on properly. No, there's probably, probably yeah. I, again, I'm over exaggerating. Obviously, there was more than that, but it just felt like there was no one wearing a mask. Every every time they panned to the crowd, there was like one person in that group that was wearing a mask. And it's just like, okay. And then the stats start coming out. Only 27% of those people were vaccinated. Yeah. Out of the 40,000. Like, yeah, the other best is when they have the mask sitting right here. 
Oh, like we're not even gonna get into how they were wearing. It's the crumb catcher. It's the crumb catcher. Come on. That's what I have this for. (laughs) (laughs) Those are built in. But but no, I. It was the stupidest thing I've seen. So I mean, but again, I mean, if you're like a lot of people in comments are like, well, if it's Texas and Florida, I don't think you should be surprised. And I think they're kind of right. Well, they're not even doing it in Florida. There's three teams playing in Florida right now. Not a single one of them had a packed house. Twenty-five percent. 25%. 25%. There you go, Irfan. 25% yeah. allowed in Florida. It's just because it's Texas. Actually, the funny part is Houston didn't even have a full packed house at their home opener. It was just the Rangers. Yeah, the Rangers, but they're also playing at a new stadium, right? So they that's probably why. wanted. That's the only reason why. I guarantee it. It's because it was a new stadium and they wanted to pack it once this season. Yeah. Was it the be- smart thing? Absolutely not. They wanted to win the money. That's where they want to make money on the first weekend. That's the only thing. Yeah, all that too. But anyways, that'll do it for us here this week. If you are wanting to follow the show, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Garage Door Sport at Instagram on Instagram at Garage Door Sports. You can also check out our website garagedoorsports.com for more information on all of our shows all the plethora of shows that we have on the network if you're looking to follow us individually it's at nick mcvicker at kyle vardy and at irfan manji on twitter and instagram because we kept it simple for everybody um if you want to get in contact with us we'd love to hear from you you can also follow our youtube uh channel just search up garage door sports network on youtube we are right there lots of great content on there especially from the betting house and uh 20 minutes on ice but we will be back next week with more news stories and uh, all our great opinions uh from from the three of us until then thank you for listening and we will see you next time (laughs) 